Someone from a competing news site, a journalist, commented something like, yeah, like really creepy, like about me. And I was just like, I'm just like never going to work at that institution ever. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Candace Lim. And you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And today, today we're talking about real estate, something that neither one of us can afford or maybe ever will be able to afford given, you know, society. I'm not going to say that finding out that you're also a selling sunset girly let me know we made the right hiring decision because I don't think I'm allowed to say that legally, but... I'm also not not saying it either, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, look, an Oppenheim girly will always find another Oppenheim <laughs> girly, okay? <laughs> it's true. For those of y'all who haven't tapped into this market, Selling Sunset is a show that's theoretically about the agents of the LA-based real estate brokerage, the Oppenheim Group, and all the multi-million dollar properties are selling in LA, except the thing about this most recent season, the sixth season, is I'm not actually convinced they sold any property. Mm-hmm. Maybe two houses were sold in 10 episodes, which really lets me know what we knew from season one, which is that this show is not about the houses getting sold. It's about the drama. And it's about the chaos. And it's about looking inside some of the ugliest, most expensive homes I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) So with that being said, Candace, what did you think of this most recent season? Man. Okay. So I definitely loved Selling Sunset. Season two, season three, I think are my favorites. And it's because of like Mm. what you're saying. They really focused on the houses and they were doing a really good job of doing like glass box house tours along with very more like Silver Lake, Los Feliz, woodsy, secluded type of homey places. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like the fact that there were no, there were just like no houses sold on this season. And that's the other thing. The thing I loved about Selling Sunset was that they really showed these women at work. They really showed the like mm. phone calls, the broker to the agent, to the no deal, to the yes deal, to the how about 5.5? How about 4.95? And I love that stuff because that feels very like succession-y. It feels very like billions-y. Mm-hmm. Um, no, all that is gone because all of a sudden... <laughs> The agents are the drama. And to be really honest with you, have you ever met a real estate agent that you wanted to know more about? Wow. Um, Honestly, I don't think I've ever thought about it that hard. But now that I am, I can pretty confidently say no. Yeah. I have not met a single real estate agent that I want to know more about. Yeah, I always want to know less about them. Uh, (laughs) But... In general, I do not like the season of Selling Sunset, but I don't think I liked it last season either. I just think the Christine stuff got too big, and I actually fully understand why she left the show, because she was just... she. There was no way she was going to get out alive, truly. Um, but on the other hand, my biggest criticism of this show now is that they are simply repeating storylines, they're repeating characters. It's the same thing of, like, new girl enters, new girl has beef. One of the agents is threatened, but is it really for the reason you think it is? Blah, 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 blah. Morality, politics, someone's pregnant. That is selling sunset. <laughs> You're not wrong, and yet I kind of do think you're wrong because mm. I love this season. Oh, so really? Much. Okay. Let's talk about I it. I thought it was 
perfect from beginning to end. The thing is, do I care about real estate that much? Not really. And the thing that really drew me to Selling Sunset is, again, seeing inside some of the most expensive, ugliest homes right. I've ever seen in my entire life. And right. no, none of them are selling these houses. We're still seeing inside of these houses. True, true, so true. I'm getting my fix, whether or not they're making their $600,000 commission. Mm-hmm. And this season, you know, it did follow the typical plot of new new girl enters, new girl threatens old girl, old girl snaps back, someone's pregnant, that that is that is the plot line, and yet I ate every single season. I was just like, nom 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 yum. Eat it to me, D- delicious, delicious. I will say though, my favorite part of the show is the subreddit, mm. which um, I now fall asleep reading every night. It's my bedtime reading. Sure. Um, <laughs> it really soothes me. Something mm. about the very bare bones Reddit interface makes my eyes so tired that I can fall asleep and it's perfect. There was this incredible post from a linguist on the subreddit that was breaking down one of the agent's accents because people kept accusing her of faking a British accent. Spoiler alert, it's not fake. But that's the kind of critical analysis you can only get on Reddit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And this subreddit really goes hard on Chelsea, who is one of the newest members of the Selling Sunset team. I will Mm -hmm. also say, like, there was this really funny moment that this reddit group found which is jason was on the phone outside the office Mm -hmm. and he was Mm -hmm. allegedly taking a phone call but someone zoomed in and said i'm sorry is that not the camera app like he's clearly faking this phone call he's faking this phone call and he literally had to like speak on it he had to speak on it and be like i I promise that was a real phone call blah 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 and it's just like these (laughs) eagle-eyed observations that just keep puncturing this and these people are looking up MLS licenses how many listings did they really sell yes does Christine really have a license like I I love these people I'm gonna say it I love you guys same shout out to you same shout out to yes the selling subset subreddit because they are investigators of some of the least important tv to ever cross my screen and that's what makes it fun I don't like investigating things that matter that's not fun yeah someone died disgusting i don't want to hear about it i'm gonna be honest with you someone might not have a real estate license give it to me immediately yeah like i'm just gonna say it these people probably could have solved watergate in like one day earlier just saying just the thing is i wouldn't care if they did i would not care if they did it doesn't matter i just want to know who has sold a house in the last year and who hasn't Mm-hmm. And who has fake titties? Anyway. <laughs> All of them. Uh, it actually is true. So I'm really glad that you and I are both part of Selling Sunset Reddit Hive because today we have a guest who is part of a very different subreddit hive. I feel like the phrase a very different subreddit hive could allude to a lot of different subreddits. So uh, please tell me before my mind spins into some dark places. I know, I know. It makes people nervous, but the subreddit is Doctor Who. Okay, I mean, not without its own drama, let's be real here, but it could be worse. It could be worse, but what can be better is the fact that our guest today is NPR's Jack Corbett. Yes, if y'all don't know, Jack is one of the people behind the very popular Planet Money TikTok account, 
ICY My Lately has been home to some very talented NPR stars, and we've stolen one of them for our very own Candace Lim. Hello. Mm -hmm. And I was not an AP econ person, but when I watch these, I just feel like they're very quirky and weird, but they are kind of helpful. We can attach a new thing called an NFT to your art. It's sort of like making this piece of art an online autographed copy. And Jack started posting TikToks for Planet Money around like 2020. And that account has now blossomed and it has like 14 million views. Which is a lot for a corporate media account. So Mm -hmm. on today's episode of Internet Diaries, we're talking to Jack about, you know, our favorite thing, the perils of TikTok fame and also buying Wood Palace on Craigslist. And most importantly, his controversial take on deleted tweets. And when we come back, we'll ask Jack about his very iconic, very first internet experience. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. And we're back. With Jack Corbett. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing great. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the ICYMI Cinematic Universe. In order to initiate every new character we add, we do want to ask you one quick question, which is, what is your first internet memory? So this could be like the first time you were addicted to a site. What do you remember logging on to every day after school? What's like your first inklings of like an internet service provider in your life? I remember one time I typed into like the URL at the top, my mom's email address, because I thought, because like it ended in .com. So I was like, this will bring me to a website. (laughs) That didn't bring me to like a website, weirdly, typing my mom's email into a URL. Um, I think my cousins showed me Neopets and I... And I do remember going on like their little like they had like little mini games and like there was like gambling, I think, Mm -hmm. where like you spin like a wheel and like I think I lost a lot of like Neopets dollars or whatever. I mean, I remember my Neopets experience was I was always making omelets, you know, always making omelets, always like making Neopets that would definitely die. And then I just had no feeling about it. I was like, you know what? Not my fault. Moving on. New account. New email. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What would you say is the first platform that really became like a part of your daily life? Like I described this as your spiritual internet home, the place that you could spend all your time if you had the option. The fantasy world of Azeroth from World of Warcraft. Uh, 
I, I played a lot of World of Warcraft. That's like the first thing where it's like, I'm like, I have to wake up early because before school I can get like a few, you know, maybe an hour in of just like killing stuff. And I was like 11. I remember like specifically like early on, I was absorbed in World of Warcraft for a long time, too long. Mm, okay. No, I think that's very real and very funny. Now, what was the first like fandom you joined? And do you remember where you found them? Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that, you know, I have one that comes to mind, but it's so, uh, um, it's embarrassing. You have you to say, say it. it. You gotta say it, Jack. Um, oh no. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's bizarre because look, I, I, I was definitely like on the Doctor Who subreddit. Great. And I remember, I, I think I was a fan on, on that subreddit up until the point where like I, I posted something where I like, oh. I called him Doctor Who, which is not his name. And then they just like blasted me. And I think from that <laughs> moment on, I just quit it. I was like, actually, this is not cool. I like, I've decided this is not cool. They're like, his name is not Doctor Who. His name is the doctor. And you know, they showed me, they showed me up and I hope they, I hope they're proud. God, I mean, like, uh, did you regret delete the post? Did you literally kill your username? What was the recon on your behalf? I think I just, I think I just like never logged into that use that Reddit account ever again. Oh, and I was just like, that was, that was so embarrassing. I still kind of feel bad about it. <laughs> they need, they deserve respect. I wouldn't go that far as somebody who was adjacent to the Doctor Who fandom on Tumblr. They they don't need that much respect. I do think that's kind of a perfect fandom experience of being really into something and then immediately being thrown out of town by the fans. I think that's kind of beautiful. It was an important rejection in my life. Life would be different if that hadn't happened. Since Doctor Who doesn't seem to be a regular part of your life at this point, I now have to ask, what does your internet diet look like? Like, what does a typical day on the internet look like for you? You wake up, you roll over. I'm assuming you pick up your phone. Yeah, I pick up my phone. I will go on TikTok. I like to tweet. Look, sometimes tweets come to me in my sleep. Divine inspiration will lead me to often very bad tweets, and then I'll just delete them instantly. I love to see a deleted tweet, so I, I, I give that to the people. I think I, I've said it before. A deleted tweet will always be more valuable than like an NFT. It's like, cause, cause there's so much like emotional value placed mm -hmm. on it with NFTs. There's so much, I don't care about it. Uh huh. So true. Um, um, internet diet. So then, you know, I will, I go onto my favorite podcast up first from NPR. Um, and I listen to my favorite NPR hosts tell me about the happenings of the daily news and then I, I go to Craigslist often. This is like, you know, it's like while I'm working, it's like, you know, on my lunch, I go on like Craigslist, the free, I think the Craigslist free section tells you more about any location than like, you know, an encyclopedia, Wikipedia, will it'll, it'll tell you so much. It'll tell you everything. It's like, you know, what kind of pallets are for sale? Why is all this dirt for sale? Why is someone just giving away a pomegranate tree that's three years old? These are questions that I'm trying to get to the bottom of often like lots of piles of wood, you know, you can see like, mm. if like, you know, it's sometimes it's nice wood in Ohio, you know, barn finds like nice old, old wood, turn that into like a coffee table, turn that into anything. Uh, the antique section also, but mostly the free section is because then also, yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, I, uh, I'm really trying not to say the word like, 
because I got an actually my first piece of like angry hate mail um, to my actual email. Wow. They just sent me, I think, two like studies about how saying like is like bad for society or... And they they just said they're like it's really it's really really annoying what oh you my do. God. Um, wow! And like I hope you I hope you better yourself. Have they considered it's annoying to take time out of their day to find two studies about the use of a word that means nothing and send it to an employee of a company? Like that is bitch behavior. I'm sorry. I'm not sh- like this is like I, not an intentional theme, but I did look them up, and they are a doc. They are a doctor. <laughs> You are somehow the first man I've ever heard of <laughs> who got called out for this. That's usually mm-hmm. a very um, <laughs> girl-coded behavior. So I love that for you. I feel like that means that part of your internet diet is being an ally. I was going to say I'm an ally for the like community, Jack. So I stand with you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I appreciate it. But yeah, no one else emails me. So it's fine. It was just that that person. Checking your email, not a part of your daily no. routine. No. No. Okay. Anything else on your internet diet? Um, let me think. I'm thinking like bedtime routine. Like, is there anything you check before you go to bed or shut off? Just the yeah, NPR news. They should have a nighttime news, like the opposite of morning edition, like midnight edition, where all the people are really tired. Oh, yeah. And I don't know. I just I go on TikTok a lot. I go on TikTok, I go on the freaking I go on Twitter. I'm tweeting. I'm tweeting into the early hours of the morning. Um, mostly because I think like, I feel like my colleagues who work on East coast time won't see the tweets because if it's like, you know, midnight for me, it's 3 PM or 3 AM. Um, if it's midnight for me, re re saying that for the podcast, if it's midnight for me on the Pacific coast, it's 3 AM <laughs> for my East coast colleagues. And so then I'll like tweet something like that's so it's just stupid whatever thought Mm -hmm. comes into my brain before I go to sleep and then I delete it instantly. Mm -hmm. That's actually kind of a great segue into our next question, which is about your deleted tweets, because there's a whole Twitter account devoted to your deleted tweets called at deleted underscore NPR boy. First, how do you feel about this account? At first, I don't know. It felt like it felt scary. It felt scary. It's like that information should only be like, you know, Freedom of Information Act should be able to get the deleted tweets. Um, not some, ri- I don't know. It's, 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 it's funny. The person who runs it reached out to me and they're like, very, they're very cool. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I like, I like them. It's funny because I don't remember any of the tweets. <laughs> I like it to me, to me, it's an entirely new account. It's like, who? it's like, I came up with that. No, I didn't. That wasn't me. You're making, this is Photoshopped. It's a nice little reminder. Memory lane. Trip down memory lane. Um, I think everyone should be reminded of their deleted tweets. There sh- it should be like a function on Twitter. They just go to an archive. They shouldn't go away forever. Elon, you're listening. Here's a, here's a little thing to change. Here's a little thing to change. No, I don't like that. You don't because l- I already resent Instagram memories oh. reminding me what I did two years mm-hmm, ago mm-hmm. because I just see people that I'm no longer friends with and I'm like, ooh, yikes. <laughs> what went, ha- what, 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 I forgot about that. I don't want to f- remember what I was doing on Twitter a year ago. I was probably sad at home tweeting about some show that didn't matter. No, 
Elon, don't listen to this. I, you know, it, with the Twitter, yeah, the Twitter or the Instagram memories, it's like, you know, this is just to make sure that you still like resent these people. It's like, you need to keep your resentments up. Like you need to have like a lot of hate, like <laughs> vitriol through your blood. Yes. hundred percent. You need to be reminded. <laughs> I mean, Constantly. you know, Constantly. you know, Jack, I am glad you're bringing this up because I am not afraid to say it. You do. You're a popular guy on Twitter and TikTok as well. I'm curious, do you have any personal rules for like engaging online? Like, do you have rules of like, you know how to post where, like, how do you figure out who to like literally fight with and quote tweet and like who to ignore? Yeah, I learned that I don't take a photo of my car anymore because it's it's like kind of noticeable. And like, you know, what if someone saw on the street? Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I just kind of forget. I mean, I think I've, I remember like quote tweeting angrily, like one person who was like ripping my TikTok style. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, I only cared about it because I didn't personally think the, um the message that this person was going for was good for I think I got into one Twitter. I, it wasn't even a beef because they didn't respond. Um, they just sent me a message and they didn't apologize. And so, you know, I don't I don't think I beef too much. I think beefs are boring on Twitter. It's more fun um, to try and like actively come up with like the stupidest, the stupidest possible like sentence in the English language. Mm-hmm. That is a real skill to have. I guess on the other side of beefs, you are someone who... Um, I'm not even going to be polite about this. People thirst after you very publicly, both on Twitter and on TikTok. And on this show, we often talk about people that we thirst after, but we very rarely have people on who are being thirsted after. So what is, what is that like? Is it weird? Is it like, does it make your head get big? Are you like, I'm the hottest thing walking? Mm-hmm. What's the vibe? I think it was it was very weird early on because... Early on, I was like, oh, the person who's commenting this is like a real person. And like, you know, it's like someone out there is saying that. But now it's like, I see a comment. I do not care. That does not exist. In my brain, it's like I've like gotten so many comments like that or like the opposite of that calling me. Yeah, what uh, I'm sick of this, this man's Wes Andersonisms. Um, that like, yeah, I think that part of my brain is just like kind of like callous. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks for saying that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think they used to like make me uncomfortable and now it's just like, be you, be yourself. I like, I appreciate how, 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 uh, how much you're sharing online. You know, I, I, I respect that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, 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 it's funny. It certainly wasn't expecting it. It was, it was very fun. It was funny to find out. Um, some of these are gross. Mm, um, yeah. Like, I think, um, like, the first person who, like, slid into my DMs was this, like, random person. And they just, like, they just, like, sent a message that was, like, they just said the word stinky. And I was like, oh. And I didn't know who this was. I'm like, because this was, like, I didn't know not to respond to people. Certainly didn't have, like, you know, like, my, like, so they would go to, like, the request file. Um, and then they just, like, I was like, what? And they just said, you're a stinky guy. And they just like kept on saying like stinky and I'm like, made me so like, that's so weird. Like, stop. And so they, after that, I was like, oh, okay, no, I'm not gonna, no. In my brain, that does not exist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wait, was that thirst? 
I, you know, it might not have been. I think it was, maybe it was hate, but I think they were, I think they were trying to like neg me. Oh, sure. Mm, sure, 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 sure. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I... I think this is actually weirdly maybe a good example of what I wanted to touch upon, which is just that um, I think we're starting to have like more nuanced conversations about like thirsting for people online. I think parasocial relationship is a word that comes up, but also just the idea of like thirsting for men online and how that is starting to become a bit more of a problematic place to be. Um, I'll speak very personally, Jack, which is that when I was working at NPR and I saw this happening to you on Twitter, I definitely was a little bit like, oh, oh, I could never take that. Like, I could never handle that just because TikTok is kind of your job. Like, you get paid to make TikToks on behalf of Planet Money and NPR. And I'm just curious, like, has these, have these, like, thirst comments or tweets or DMs kind of affected the way you think about work or maybe, like, the type of workspace you live in and just this realization that like, ah, like I actually can't, I I actually can't protect myself sometimes when I'm literally on the job. Yeah, no, thank you. That's like probably one of the best like questions I've ever like gotten. Um, because yeah, it's like it, 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 it was, it was a shot. And like, just like think about like a workspace, like someone from, uh, a competing news site, a journalist like commented something like, yeah, like really creepy. And I was like, like about me. And I was just like, okay, I'm just like never going to work at that institution ever. Like that was like, that was so, that was so uncalled for. Like we could be colleagues Mm -hmm. and it just, yeah, it just made me feel uncomfortable. How it has affected me with like the TikToks. I think before TikTok, I would just, I would cut my hair like once every like (laughs) year and a half. Uh Just because like Mm. it was like a financial decision. Mm -hmm. Like. I don't want to spend $20 more than I have to. And so like my hair would just like go down to here and then I would like cut it all off. Um, and so now I, you know, I, I, I cut my hair more often cause I'm like, well, if I'm going to be on camera, I don't want to be like a weirdo. I cut my own hair too. This is like a fun little also personal finance tip. Cut your own hair. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I've had to buy more outfits. You know, how is it, how's it, how it's affected me? I, cause before it's like every single shirt I wore was like kind of black or gray, like this one. Um, and now I need to buy like other colors, like blue or red to differentiate characters. So that it has affected my wardrobe. Um, and yeah, I guess in like what thirst, is there a part of that question that I didn't answer? I think I'm, I'm missing something. I think maybe just this idea that like there are some things that HR can't protect you from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are definitely things that HR can't protect you from. Right. Because you're like in a Zoom meeting for Planet Money and you're just like scrolling Twitter. I'm not saying you do do this on company time. I'm just saying you could do this. Um, And you like see a tweet calling you stinky or something like that. Like, does that kind of take you out of it for a minute? You're just like, ah, okay, back to work. Yeah. You know, it's it would have to be a very like at this point, it would have to be like a very like clever or like particularly like trenchant burn for it to like really kind of like get to me now. But like, yeah, early on, you know, it would, you know, I was not prepared for it, you know, mm-hmm. going into like mm-hmm. like, oh, it's like I was just like, you know, uh, someone on the video team who made videos. I like directed Tiny Desk concerts and I like ed- I edited Tiny Desk concerts. I had no preparation for like, you know, what it's going to be like immediately if like immediately after it's like what happens what happens then when you start like you know getting like people like so many people are just like commenting about your body it's like what do you 
this is going to affect you, but you have to like know like X, Y, and Z. Like one, don't listen to, don't read like a single comment. And certainly, yeah, don't put any credence in it. Don't change like the way that you, the way that you like kind of like want to make videos because of these comments. All things, you know, I was not, I was not prepared for it. Thankfully, it's like I realized that like I am super lucky in that like most of the comments have been like, you know, positive um, in like the way that like tech, they weren't making fun of me. They aren't like attacking me. They take you out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like one time, like one of like the videos was like posted to like the subreddit Wall Street Bets. And oh, oh my gosh, those oh. guys, those guys know how to, those guys how to know how to insult. And I think like that's, that was, that was a lot. That was a lot. That felt like a point where I was like, I was like, what? Why? Shouldn't someone be like stopping me from looking this up? Someone should be, I, I should have like, a, oh. I should have like an assistant who's like sitting right next to me. Who's like, stop it. Quit it. <laughs> I really want to dig deeper into that. But first, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about TikTok fame that's gained when you're the face of a larger corporate entity and handling criticism when it's part of your job. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey there. Hope you're enjoying today's show. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. We're thrilled to have you here. In case you missed it, our show comes out twice a week on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So make sure you never miss an episode like this past Wednesdays on tumblers that became picture books with slate's own luke winky and we're back with jack corbett i want to get into this point we were discussing before the break about how no one really prepares you for this level of scrutiny especially when it's part of your job and not in the same way that you're choosing to be an influencer or you're choosing to be on social media like we are people who work in media we are doing a very specific form of work and I was talking to another friend who hosts a podcast, and it's almost stunning how unprepared most of us are for this, despite the fact that we all have like public Twitters and expected to be public personalities at some point. And you're kind of saying like you're used to it now, but there's almost this like desensitization process that's for me, was deeply painful to deal with, where it was just like, I have to get used to people saying things about me that I'm not really actually allowed to address, both for company proprietary reasons. I'm not allowed to go off on people on Twitter, especially listeners, and for reasons that most people don't want to hear it. Most people don't want to hear like, oh, someone said something mean to me in the Apple reviews of this podcast that I'm getting paid to do. Like, Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're complaining about something that most people would 
kill to have. See, yeah. And so I kind of want to talk about that catch-22 of feeling kind of obligated to say, you're like, you know, I'm really lucky. And yeah, we are all, all, all three of us are very lucky to be here. But it's also a level of vitriol that most people don't have to engage with mm-hmm. as part of their work life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it like it, it's yeah, what you're saying is that's like so it's so like I wish I had this podcast episode like, you know, like three years ago. Oh my God. My problems would be solved. <laughs> um I I I I it's but again, yeah, no, nothing can prepare you. Nothing can prepare you. It's like I heard that thing before. It's like, you know, my mom is my mom is an artist and you know she'll like read comments um and like they'll like bum her out so like i kind of knew like early on because i was like stop doing that stop it mom quit it stop um there but it's hard to do it's hard, it's hard to stop yeah. and i think that's also something that's hard to explain to people who don't have this job because on one level for me at least i'm looking for feedback because i want to do a good job but in looking for feedback, you're inevitably going to come up against what is unearned criticism. And learning to separate those two things is really hard to do, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have any training for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't, you do want to like respond to like what people, what people like, especially like early on in a TikTok, like this is like, it's so important to experiment and to like see like what sticks and like what mm-hmm. you're like, what, you know, you find to be like working and like you want to know what people think. And it's important to know like, if this is like kind of like legible and like your ideas are getting across and people are like resonating with like the right, like what you're trying to say. And yet you can't, you can't comb through that without like, you know, reaching like strings of sentences that you will like never hear in real life. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm hmm early on it's like you know you're still like you know that's like that's a person they like really like this is like a real person they really think this about me how should i respond to like what does this like you know does this is this who i am is this like what people see and i think like that's part of it is like learning like what people see in you because people on the internet have no problem in just like they'll just say like the first thing that comes to their mind it's like knowing like what you what you come across as yeah it's just a level of perception mm-hmm. that I honestly don't think any of us should have access to, to be completely honest. I think that's that's what I've come down as. As a human, you're supposed to know maybe 100 people in life. Like, that is what your brain is actually designed to hold. Yeah. And we are inundated with so much more than that. And there is no processing system in your head that is able to filter out what is important and what isn't. Yeah, it's like hunter-gatherers <laughs> from that to where we are now. It's like, like yeah, like nothing, like nothing, nothing has prepared us. I think of it as cognitive dissonance sometimes. I mean, I just like something I wanted to note just from like hearing you guys both speak on this is the fact that all of us are kind of in the first or second legs of our careers. Like we are all very early career people who just started kind of and like we're in front of mics we're in front of cameras and like that's the thing where it's most of the times if you are criticized if there's some type of like comment that hits you the wrong way it's not that you 
are prepared for it. It's that people don't take action until the first time it happens. And then there's protocols. And then there's like, oh, don't do this. Don't post this. Blah, 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 blah. And it's kind of just like, ah, but the knife's still there. Like the scar is still there. And like, how do I band-aid over this when I literally have to do my job? Like you have to show up and you have to open your computer every day and still go into this cave. I don't know. The conversation we're having is one that I feel like people very rarely have, especially because it's such a kind of like sliver of a population in Mm -hmm. that it's people who make their living on the internet who aren't necessarily doing it the way most people, like we're not, we're not freelancers basically. Like we're not separate entities. Like most influencers I consider small businesses. We work under a larger umbrella. Our audience is tied to another thing rather than built by us. The audience still feels I mean, honestly, a level of entitlement to us mm-hmm. as faces mm-hmm. of this corporation. Um, and yeah, no one prepares you for it, I think, is what you kind of keep coming back to. Like, we're, we're working for, like, a bigger company. You know, it's like, I wasn't expecting to get, like, because NPR is going to receive, like, a certain kind of hate, from certain people mm-hmm. all the time, no matter where mm-hmm. you're posting, no matter yeah. where. And I just wasn't expecting, you know, it's like people see me to instantly then go to that. Um, you know, I mean, like in my Instagram DMs and in my Twitter DMs, you know, it's like I'll get like, you know, flack for, you know, an entire uh, what other, the organization does, not just for like my videos. It's It's a really hard line to walk. And I guess it makes me wonder... I hate this question. I'm sorry to turn it back on to you. Like what you kind of think the future of this venture that you're doing is. The future of it. I certainly hope, you know, like when like a newsroom is going to like create a TikTok or like pick someone to be like their face for it or like, you know, with any kind of social media, if they're going to like, you know, pick someone and be like, or pick like a, a team, you know, it's like they, they should, you know, I I hope now it would be like, hey, here's what to expect. Here's what to do. Here's don't, don't turn your, don't don't post a photo of your car. Don't post a yeah. Don't um you don't have to say like, you know, you don't have to say where you live. You don't have to. Um, you know, you don't have to you, you don't have to have your Instagram you don't have to have your Instagram public. You know, it's like you can still have like a career and have a private Instagram. You don't have to do all these things. You don't like it and more than like you don't have to. It's like there are some things like, yeah, you just like shouldn't. I think it's just like on people who like already work there to kind of because like that, like a few people at NPR, like a few hosts like have like have talked to me or have like reached out like early on when this was happening and they would be like, oh, like that is screwed up. I'm really sorry. Or like, you know, it's like they've talked to me. It's like they've kind of like Mm -hmm. they've reached out and they've like they've let me know how crazy that thing was that I was like in my I'm like, is this like is this a normal thing? No, like they've like let me know. And it's like that has been that has been really been a godsend. And I think, yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's, it was a great, great thing that happened to me. And I certainly hope like, you know, that happens to more folks who have to helm something like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and kind of widening out a little bit. Um, Cause you know, ironically, not everyone works for a media org, um, but everyone does have internet access. Uh, if you were to institute like one rule that you think everyone and anyone on the internet had to follow, what would it be? It's such a lawless place. <laughs> can't it imagine, really can't imagine having a, having, having a rule. Um, <laughs> I think maybe it's like, okay, okay. If you're going to comment anything on any video or any thread, 
you should have to you should have to 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 look in the mirror and say it say it say it oh. say it mm. read it out see how it feels mm. see how it feels it's like is this necessary you know i like that I don't know. I don't. That's not that good. Like that. That's like I feel like maybe. No, actually, I like that. I think so often people think of things in their little heads, and then if they say it out loud, they realize how unhinged it sounds. Yeah, it might. It might stop something. <laughs> um, that or like the uh, you shouldn't be able to delete tweets. <laughs> there should there should be an archive, and you should be able to see them. Um, and champion, champion the deleted tweet. Um, <laughs> I think like, I think, I think, uh, t- 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 rule don't be, don't be mean. Don't be mean. There. I just solved. I saw, I solved it. That was great. Wow. You solved it. Good answer. Oh Family gosh. feud. That was great. Stop. <laughs> this rocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was so fun, Jack. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is such an interesting conversation. I really appreciate it. Okay. That's the show. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday. So definitely subscribe. That way you'll never miss an episode. Leave a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, where can I buy a wood pallet on Craigslist? And you can always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley Ritz, Candace Lim, and me, Rachel Hampton, with special thanks to Emily Cherish. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online. Or Selling Sunset subreddit. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.